was touched, and so he just took out of his pocket a dollar bill, walked over to the lady and pressed it into her hand and said, Chin up, lady. Boarded the bus, as did she, and left. Went through the day's activities at the conference, and Dr. Schweitzer went back home to the uh, hotel that evening, and then the next morning, same routine. He's back at the bus stop, and he notices there's that little old lady. And she starts to walk toward him, and Dr. Schweitzer said, Oh, no, she's going she's gonna to want more money. I've started something. She's going to want more money. She walked up to him, and she pressed in his hand a $10 bill and said, Congratulations, chin up, paid 10 to 1. <laughs> we all need a little chin up message every now and then, don't we? The encouraging word that comes our way. First Peter is such a message. Peter is writing to a group of Christians who are under persecution. They have been scattered because of persecution. Many had lost their home. Some had even lost their family. And in the midst of that, the Holy Spirit of God inspired Peter to write these words. Follow with me in the scripture, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested with fire or by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see Him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. May we pray. Thank you, Father, for this encouraging word. Thank you, Lord, for the new birth, for salvation in Jesus Christ. And Lord, how we pray this morning that He will be so exalted in this place, that He would be lifted up and that people would turn to Him. For the lost, we ask that they might Turn to Him in faith for eternal salvation, to be reserved, kept by Your great power. For the believer, Father, we pray that whatever life may bring our way, that we would see Your providential hand upon us, protecting us and guiding us. And Father, we thank You and praise You in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm an admirer of the Apostle Paul, obviously, and uh, his writings of the New Testament and the life of Paul, uh, divinely inspired writings as well. But 
I find most of the time that I identify with Simon Peter more than I do with the Apostle Paul, the blunders, the, uh, uh, the things that, that he encountered in life, his sinking beneath the waves uh, as he's walking to the Lord Jesus on the water. Uh, so many things that we find ourselves like him. But here we see his finest hour, inspired, moved, writing God's word, inspired by the Spirit of God, And what he's saying as he addresses the issue of being born again or begotten again, verse 3 says. And so in the verses that we've read, we can pull out from that five truths that relate to us of what the new birth brings. What does the new birth bring? It is a sad statistic. That so many that say, yes, I'm a Christian. So many that say, yes, I've had a born-again experience. But yet their lives are not transformed. They know no security. They live day by day in fear that, well, I may not have done enough in order to be right with God. Praise the Lord that He tells us what we have in the new birth listed in these verses. So let's look at these this morning. I would say first, what does the new birth bring? It brings a present hope. A very present hope. Not a future hope. Many folks think that Christianity is only about that when we die, we go to heaven. That when we die, then we have hope. But no, being a child of God, being born again, having repented of sin and believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, turning away from self, turning to Him for salvation, believing that He paid the debt for our wicked sin, and we are wicked sinners, for our evil heart, and we have evil hearts, that He redeemed us by His vicarious death on the cross, by His paying the penalty that we owed, We trust in Him that that work is sufficient. And we're born again. And it gives us a present day hope. Read the third verse again. Blessed, that's to speak well of. It's, It's our English word, eulogy, comes from the Greek word for blessed. To speak well of, speak well of God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Well, according to His abundant. The Greek word is uh, what we, it's mega. Mega, His mega mercy that He has begotten us again. We are born again unto what? Verse 3 says, a living hope. Not a dead hope. There is no expectation in a dead hope. We have a living hope. And a living hope is very present. It's present tense. Who has begotten us again to a living hope. What is that based upon? How do we have that living hope? He tells us in verse 3, Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. When Jesus died upon the cross, they took down His body and they placed Him in a borrowed tomb. 
And in three days later, within three days later, he was raised, that stone was rolled away. He was not there. He had been raised to life, never to taste death again. He tasted it once for all for us. That's our living hope. That's our present hope that we have. And because of the new birth, we have a living hope. Can you imagine what? Encouraging word that was to these who were under the threat of death for being a child of God, for saying, I am a Christian. For those who were forced from their homes, for those who were losing loved ones through persecution and the emperor Diocletian's wave of persecution. We have a living hope just as they had that living hope, based upon the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. If He is not raised, Paul said in 1 Corinthians, then we have no hope. We are of all men most miserable if He's not raised from the dead. If He's not raised from the dead, then we are still in our sins. In other words, our sin has not been atoned for if Jesus Christ is not raised from the dead. So this morning, what does the new birth bring you? Well, it brings you a present hope, a living hope that we rejoice in. We have hope in this life. I can go on, you can go on because of that hope. The word hope does not mean, well, it may happen, it may not. It's earnest expectation. We expect it to take place, not blindly, but because God has said it. Just as he was raised from the dead, even so, wrote Paul, we shall be raised. But even so, that's the faith that we have, a present day hope. Some folks don't live with that. Maybe that's you. Maybe you don't have a present day hope. May I point you to the Lord Jesus Christ who was crucified who was buried, that means he died, and who was raised the third day by the Father. Sophocles wrote and he said, Not to be born at all, that is by far the best fortune. The second one, or the second best, is as soon as one is born with all speed to return thither whence one has come. How depressing. And he was considered a wise stoic. Sophocles is wrong because we have a hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. By the resurrection of Christ, the Christian has the Spirit of Christ living in him, the Holy Spirit of God indwelling. And the essence of Christ is hope. So what's the new birth bring? It brings a present hope. But let's go on further in the passage. Verse 4, it brings also a permanent inheritance. For he says that we have been begotten again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away. An inheritance. Wow, when you think of what he has provided for us. That permanent inheritance. I, uh, uh, as a teenager for a portion of my uh, teen years, very short portion, and uh, I don't resemble this, I'm sure, at all to this day, but uh, uh, I was a, 
uh, a coon hunter. Uh, we, we, I had a pastor who took us boys, that was youth ministry at Central Grove Baptist Church, go coon hunting, drink black coffee and listen to dogs bark. And there's even a competition side of coon hunting, professional type coon hunting. And I got involved in that, even as a teenager. I hunted mostly other people's dogs, but we'd go on that, it was a lot of fun. And uh, <laughs> uh, believe me, but, but I amassed a few trophies. I mean, these things were... At that time, for a 15-year-old boy, that was exciting. You know, my, my dog could bark the longest without skipping a bark. I got a trophy for that. Uh, you know, I, I said the dog that I was hunting, he had treed a raccoon, and I told him first that he treed the raccoon, and so I got points, and, and we'd win certain positions. You get a trophy for that. Several years ago, when my mother passed away and my brother was about to sell our home place, we had to clean out the attic, and up there in that attic, I found that box of trophies. That meant so much as a 15-year-old, but now as a 40-something, I, I opened that box to look at some of those trophies. Those old coon dogs had their tails broken off. <laughs> a couple of them had their heads hanging over to the side. Some of them, the little numbers and the little plaques that told where they had been won. They, they had been broken. They had faded away. The best we can attain in this life, any accolade, any award will fade away. It is not eternal. Any inheritance is not in eternal. We have faced the reality just this week that hearsts do not have trailer hitches to pull a U-Haul. An inheritance that will not fade away is not a material gain in this life. An inheritance that will not fade away is what the Lord provides. And He says Himself in the Scripture, Psalm 16 and verse 5, The Lord is my chosen portion. The prophet Jeremiah lamented in Lamentations 3.24, The Lord is my portion, therefore I will hope in Him. We have an inheritance. And how is it described? As one that is incorruptible. Literally free from any type of corruption. Uh, some of the best things that we can obtain in this life. Cars, money, possessions. Those things will corrupt. They will pass away. But not that which we have been given. Which we have through the Lord Jesus Christ. What do you have that is eternal? You cannot earn it. It cannot be gifted to you by another human. It comes only through the Lord Jesus Christ and trusting in Him. Incorruptible, undefiled. The word undefiled that's used here was used to describe a cloth that was often used in the burial process, even... Wrapping the body, not so much for, as we think, a burial like a shroud, but wrapping the body and then to be burned for cremation. That was, I'm not saying that that necessarily is, is an endorsement or, or a prohibition to the matter, but I'm saying it was, pop, it was involved in that day and prior. And this word that talks about being undefiled referenced a cloth that could be burned and not destroyed. That's what we have inherited in the Lord Jesus Christ. Fire cannot defile. The fire of your failure cannot defile what the Lord 
has provided to you a permanent inheritance that will not perish, that will not spoil, and then it says it will not fade away. Fade away. Sometimes those things that have beauty and loveliness, they, they go away. I, I've gone back to high school reunions and, 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 and looked at... We have to look at pictures to see who we are now, you know, other folks, because we change. The prom queens, you know, double size now. <laughs> Things change. That which we called beautiful years ago, that's not necessarily the beauty in the same manner, the same way. Praise the Lord. That which is ours and inheritance is one that will not fade. Even the, file, the flower faded in the promised land of the Old Testament, but not in heaven, not the reward, not the inheritance that he speaks of for you. These three words here in verse 4 describe our inheritance, but our inheritance is God himself. He's not corrupted. He's not defiled. He's not fading away at all. Matthew 6, verse 19 and 20 in the Sermon on the Mount. Lay not up for yourselves treasures in heaven where rust, um, a moth and rust doth corrupt and decay and thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. He is our treasure. So what does the new birth bring? Well, certainly it brings a living hope, a present hope. It brings a permanent inheritance. It's not going to perish, spoil, or fade. Thirdly, according to verse 5, it brings a protected salvation. Look at verse 5. It says that inheritance is reserved in heaven for you. So the you, this next statement modifies the you, the believers that Peter was writing to, but believers of all ages, who are kept by the power of God, through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, we have a protected salvation. Obviously, I'm stretching and trying to use the, uh, the, the alliteration for your memorization, hopefully, but uh, this is a permanent salvation. When you are born again, you do not become unborn again. There's nothing in the Scripture that is rightly divided that would teach such. Here in this text, verse 5, who are kept. The Greek word for kept is an, a military term for garrisoned. You are protected by the host of heaven, by the Lord's army. You are kept for salvation. When you are born again, He who began a good work in you will complete it. He will finish that work. You, if you've been born again, if you're a child of God, if you've experienced the new birth, you are protected by Him. You are kept by the power of God. Kept is a military term, garrisoned, uh, bull, uh, a bulwark. Uh, he, he, he secures us. I believe biblical, I know biblical salvation is eternal salvation. It is eternal security. Now that doesn't mean you can go out and say, well, alright, I'm once saved, always saved, so I'm going to live it up and live like the devil. Well, that may indicate you've never been saved. I don't really like the phrase, once saved, always saved. I like the phrase, when saved, always saved. 
a permanent, protected salvation, shielded by the power of God. The word power is what we get our English word dynamite. It's the dunamis of God, the dynamite of God. You know, dynamite has a way of changing your life. I like the story of the fisherman that's fishing with the game warden and they're out in the middle of the lake uh, and the, uh, the, the fisherman reaches under his seat in their little boat and pulls out a stick of dynamite and he lights it and he's going to throw it in the water because that'll kill the fish, they'll float to the top, but it's illegal. And the game warden told him, he said, that's illegal. The guy just handed him the stick of dynamite and said, you're going to fish or swim. <laughs> dynamite will change your life. The power of God is described in what God can do in keeping you safe. safe, Kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed unto the last day. What's the new birth bring? It brings a protected salvation. Verses 6 and 7, something else the new birth brings. It brings purifying trials. See, those who often misunderstand the doctrine of eternal security and think that because I'm saved, I can live any way I want to, and the probability is that they've never been saved if that's their heart and what they feel. But look how he speaks of trials right after he speaks of security. Verses 6 and 7, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. God has not made and He will not make the Christian life some flowery pathway that you never are tested. A faith that is not tested cannot be trusted. And here we see that we are to face. We, and how do we face it? With great joy, verse 6 says. Look at this. Look how long, if for a little while, all of your life in this side of eternity, Christian, may be, seem to be trials. But that's just a little while compared to eternity. If for a little while, if need be, it's not always necessary that we go through trials, but He does if it's His will providentially that you've been grieved by various trials, manifold trials, different types. The word there in the original has to do with polka dot. <laughs> it's manifold colors of trials. Have you been through that? Are you experiencing that? I I'm grateful that He wants to prove my faith. He wants to purify my faith. He mentions in verse 7 being tested uh, such as gold that is tested by fire. They would melt the gold and all the impurities would rise to the top and they would take the instrument and, and, and remove it, the impurities from that gold. God uses trials to do that in our life as the fiery trials heat up. And it brings to the forefront in our life those impurities that need to be removed. God has a purpose in allowing us. We should wake every day and write Romans 8, 28 over that day that we know that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are the called according to purpose. Not that all things are good, 
but that they work together for good. And God may send a hard, harsh trial your way, but He's working it for your good and His glory. The new birth brings us purifying trials. The new birth brings us a, a pronounced joy. The final verses, 8, uh, uh, eight and 9. Whom having not seen, you love. And though you do not see Him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, full of joy, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The new birth brings glorious joy, a pronounced joy. Being born again, we should rejoice. That doesn't mean we have to embrace the giggling idiot syndrome and think that somehow or another everything's a laughing matter. There are trials in life. There are tests in life. But we count it all joy. He's giving us joy, the Scripture says. Though we haven't seen Him, we love Him and we rejoice with an inexpressible joy. You want an answer for the hope that's within me? It's Jesus Christ, the one who has begotten me again by, through the resurrection. That's the new birth. And I have inexpressible joy as well. The salvation of your souls, the end of it all, verse 9 tells us. These persecuted Christians wanted to hear that, needed to hear that glorious truth. The Old Testament prophets prepared the world for the coming of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Old Testament prophets even told us of the angels that Peter mentions of in verse 12. The angels who looked in to these things. They couldn't experience them for Christ didn't die for an angel, nor do we become an angel when we die, by the way. But the angels only get to look in to this that is full of joy inexpressible, full of glory, honoring the Lord. I wonder this morning, have you experienced the new birth? Are these your blessings that are described in this text? Are you standing on the street corner needing someone to say to you, chin up? Well, I've got news for you. The new birth pays far more eternal dividends than any bet or gambling action would ever have. Trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Experience the new birth what Jesus has provided by His death, burial, and resurrection. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Father, for Your Word. And pray even now, Lord, that You are at work in the hearts of those that do not believe upon Christ for salvation. Maybe they're trusting in goodness. Maybe they're trusting in works. Maybe they're trusting in, in the church. Maybe they're trusting in, in someone else. Father, how we pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would convict them and draw them to Christ. Thank you that the new birth brings us these things. Thank you for saving us. May you be glorified in the life that we live as we go through trying times. Lord, may you be lifted up and exalted. For we pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to sing together.